0: In our message, Jesus declares himself to be Lord of the Sabbath and encourages us to adopt customs and habits that direct us to the rest that we have in him.
1: Today's reading will be Luke chapter 5 verses 33-39 to 39, and Luke chapter 6 verses 1-11. through 11. They said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours go on eating and drinking. Jesus answered, Can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. In those days, they will fast. He told them this parable. No one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one. Otherwise, they will have torn the new garment and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins and the wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one after drinking old wine wants the new, for they say, the old is better. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to pick up some heads of grain, rub them in their hands, and eat the kernels. Some of the Pharisees asked, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Jesus answered them, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and taken the consecrated bread he ate what is lawful only for priests to eat, and he also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath he went into the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking and said to the man with the shriveled hand, Get up and stand in front of everyone. So he got up and stood there. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to destroy it? He looked around at them all and then said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He did so and his hand was completely restored. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were furious, and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Hi, my name is Dan Silofra. I'm the pastor at Crosswalk Church in Phoenix, Arizona. And I'd like to welcome you as we are going through Investigating Jesus, a walk through the Gospel of Luke. And today, as we catch up with Jesus, he answers questions about fasting and the Sabbath day. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm doing research on the internet, I get frustrated when I find conflicting information, that uh, I'm trying to find good information, but, but I'm not sure if it's good because you can hear two different sides of it. And so I get frustrated when I'm researching health and I find Vince from V Shred. And I see this guy, just ripped, who's eating a box of donuts or a pizza and says, oh man, you, should, you can have whatever carbs you want. And then I research some more and I find a keto diet that says, whatever you do, do not eat a donut, do not eat any pizza, do not eat any carbs. And it leaves me frustrated on, on what exactly I should do. And some other diets tell you, you know what, you should only eat for six hours a day and fast for 18 hours. And then another diet might tell you, no, you need to eat six small meals a day. It's frustrating because all I really want to do is get healthy, but I need to trust the information that I have. Well today, as Jesus speaks about fasting and the Sabbath, this is about individuals who want to have a closer relationship with God. And so our question for today is, do my religious customs and habits bring me closer to God? And so we want to look at those things that we do and, and see what Jesus has to say about them. So we start in Luke chapter five, beginning with verse 33. They said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees. But yours go on eating and drinking. Jesus answered, Can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. In those days they will fast. And so Jesus, again, he had just healed a man and forgave his sins. It was quite a display as he did that. And, and he was showing himself as one to have authority. And so they went to Jesus as someone with authority. And maybe they were trying to trap him a little bit because what they were saying was John the Baptist and, and his disciples would would do this fasting and so do the Pharisees but you don't seem to do that as much and, and your disciples don't for sure. And what Jesus is trying to tell them is that there is a time and a place really for everything. It, it, it's like Ecclesiastes. There, There's a time. There's a time for laughter. There's a time for mourning. There's a time for every activity under the sun. And the time for fasting he's saying will come. And so the first question then or the the first answer to that question about fasting and praying is to understand there's a time and a place for different activities. And the way that I would most look at it is like if it's someone's birthday or you're going to a funeral, obviously those two events in, in the life of a person are going to be very different. And so when we think of that in the Christian church, we have the birth of Jesus, which is a time where we celebrate the gift of Jesus, the God-man, into the world. And so, Christians very often will give gifts at that time of year. It it seems like an appropriate thing to do. But during the time of Lent, as we look at his death, it's, it's a time of mourning over our sin and the sacrifice that had to be made. That it is a time more of mourning and repentance. And so, different activities, based on the different time you are on, Uh, There's a time and a place for both. He told them this parable then in Luke 5, 36-39. He told them this parable, No one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one. Otherwise they will have torn the new garment and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins and the wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one after drinking old wine wants the new, for they say the old is better. And what Jesus is saying is that, that there are two things that don't mix. And what he's ultimately referring to is the old covenant And the new covenant, the old covenant, which was meant to point ahead to to Christ with all its ceremonial rules and regulations. But then when Jesus came to fulfill that, to to establish the new covenant, that that it was going to be different. And if they were going to try to mix these two things, they were going to be incredibly frustrated. And and a little bit uh, further down in this lesson, we will see that. But then the the last thing he says is that no one after drinking old wine wants the new for they say the old is better. Another way of saying that is we like what we know. That the thing that has been around to and we've gotten used to, uh, that's what we want to hold on to. And again, I don't know if you're like me or not, but I'm that way. My wife gives me a hard time with my t-shirts. I literally have a, a 1987 intramural championship t-shirt. And uh, it's actually in pretty good shape because it's a medium, and I haven't worn a medium in a while. And, but, but it's that way with t-shirts. I wear them, I wear them, and my wife will look at me and say, Dan, that thing is, it's got holes in it. You can almost see through that shirt. But I think the old is better because I, I like it and I'm used to it. And as the Pharisees were looking at this, Jesus is telling them, uh, there's a new covenant that I am bringing, and chances are you're not gonna like it because you like what you know. And I want you to think about that a little bit when it comes to customs and habits. We like what we know. It is most likely that Jesus was not born on December 25th, just saying that. And yet, We like that custom. December 25th is when we celebrate it. The whole Christian church has decided on that. We like that because we know it. Um, Also, another example might be if you are in a a church that's maybe more traditional, um, like I was in when I started my ministry. I wore a robe every Sunday, uh, and that's what I was used to. And now at Crosswalk, I, I don't. And usually what I find when people have an opinion about that, it's what they're used to. And so a word of caution as you consider customs and habits, just because you're used to something doesn't mean that it's necessarily a good thing or the right thing. Now, uh, it goes a few days from that. So we switch gears a little bit, but it's a Sabbath day. And in Luke 6, uh, beginning with verse 1, One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields and his disciples began to pick some heads of grain, rub them in their hands, and eat the kernels. Some of the Pharisees asked, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? And I'll just stop there just for a second. So what's going on is is Jesus is walking through these fields and um, if you grew up in farm country, this isn't surprising to you that when you have a stalk of grain, that at the top of it always is where the, the grain is. And so I've been, when I'm hunting, when I've been out with, I've seen farmers do this, that they'll just take their hand and they'll run it up that stalk of grain and they'll get all that grain, a handful in their hands. Then they rub it together, then they blow on it, and then eat it. And uh, chances are if you are a city person and you try that, you will hate it because it's not a processed food. Uh, It's pretty raw um, in your consumption of it. But the point is is that for the disciples, that was a very easy snack. It's not like they were going out and harvesting on the Sabbath. They were simply having a snack that God provided them. And yet the Pharisees go after them. So how does Jesus respond? Verse 3. Jesus answered them, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and, taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for priests to eat, and he also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus points them to a situation where David, uh, as he was running from Saul, was starving almost to death and he stopped at at the place where the Ark of the Covenant was and there was some bread there. And the priest gave that to him and said, here you go, here, you guys can eat this. Uh, It's not necessarily designated for that, but I know you guys need it, so I'm willing to give up this bread. And they made an exception for him. And now the reason why David didn't get in trouble for that is God is the one who makes the rules. Uh, that that what he says goes. And in the same way, Jesus, when he says uh, that I am the son of man is the Lord of the Sabbath, that he is saying, understand who's making the rules here that that direct you to God and bring you closer to God. That's me. And I have the right to, to make these rules and change these rules. Now, maybe an example of, of that would be if at your home and you have kids, you have a a strict bedtime. And you say, you know what kids, we need to be in bed by seven or eight or whatever time you uh, have the kids going to bed. And the reason why you do that is because you love your children. And you wanna make sure that they get enough sleep. (laughs) Maybe as parents, you need some quiet time. So you observe a very strict uh, bedtime rule. But maybe on a special night, maybe on Christmas Eve, maybe a time when grandma and grandpa are coming in from the airport, you let them stay up a little bit later. And the reason why is is the, the rules are meant to help your children, not to make them miserable. And in the same way, when we look at customs and habits, the things that God encourages us to do, That they are meant to point us to him, to point us to Jesus, where we find our rest. It's not about the rules. It's about the rest that we find in Jesus. And probably the best place in the Bible that describes this is Colossians 2, verses 16 and 17. This is where Paul writes to the Colossians, Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ." With these words, he's showing why Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. Because Jesus came to fulfill the Sabbath, to bring rest. That's what that word means. Sabbath means rest to bring rest for all people. The temple, the lambs that were put to death, not one of them ever paid for sin. Not one of them uh, ever gave real peace with God. Not one of them brought the rest of the forgiveness of sins. All of them were meant to point ahead. They were pointing ahead to the coming Christ. And when Jesus went to the cross and he made the sacrifice for sin once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God, the purpose of those customs, they, they no longer had a purpose. And that's why the, the sacrifice now has ended. The, the temple has been destroyed because Jesus has fulfilled everything that that temple and all those regulations were pointing to. And now as we stand before him, we stand free, forgiven by God, loved by him. And that's how we observe, really, the Sabbath. We do that when we remember that we don't have to work uh, to please God, but rather, Christ has pleased God for us. That he has forgiven us and we stand perfectly forgiven before God. Now, on another Sabbath, we, we go on. This is in Luke 6. Uh, it's, I don't know if it's a week later or how long, but it's a Sabbath. It's a Saturday, the Sabbath. On another Sabbath, he went into the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking, and said to the man with the shriveled hand, Get up and stand in front of everyone. So he got up and stood there. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it. He looked around at all of them, and then said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He did so and his hand was completely restored. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. Once again, we're, we're here and it's the Sabbath day, it's the day of rest. And, and they have their rules. And part of that, that rule even is that they, they don't want Jesus to do a miracle on the Sabbath. And this one in particular maybe the thought process is, this man has a shriveled hand. Well, if it's the Sabbath day, he can't use that hand anyways uh, because he's supposed to be resting. So why don't you just wait until Sunday, the next day, and do the healing then? And that's when Jesus, he's like, I'm not going to hide this. I want everyone to to stand in, in front of everyone here and see what I'm about to do. And that's when he asked them the question, is it it okay to do good? Is it okay to save life? And what's amazing to me is how hardened the the religious leaders are that they won't even answer the question because they know a a four-year-old can answer that question. Absolutely, you do what is good. You do what is right. And yet their rules, their customs, didn't allow them to do that. And so Jesus, in front of everyone, says to the man, "Uh, stretch out your hand. And his hand was completely restored. And now as we look at Jesus, as I mentioned before, Jesus is the one who brings us close to God. He is the one who brings healing, not only of our bodies, but even more so of our souls. Uh, that, that he, he washes us, that he brings us close to God, and we have this intimate relationship with God that will last an eternity. And now as we consider that opening question really of what are the customs, what are the, the habits that I want to do, I want to use customs and I want to use habits that direct me to Jesus, that, that direct me to the rest that I have in him. And so, as you consider that, one of the things I would say is habits are more, the way that I see it anyways, that our habits are more personal things that you do to bring you close and keep you close to God, whereas customs, I think, more of what the church does. And so, what I would recommend are four habits that are really timeless, that, that have gone throughout the ages in Christendom that people have kept close to God. And so, the first one is Bible study. Uh, studying the Bible and just having God's word as a part of your life. Secondly, is prayer, praying to God and meditating on his word, listening closely to what he has to say and then talking to him about it. Thirdly, is a a plan of serve, serving others, loving others, uh, service with love, putting your faith into action. And then finally, that there's always a component of Worshiping God by giving generously, being a, a generous giver in everything that you do. So those, those four things, and, and as we teach them at Crosswalk, are ones that are going to be foundational habits that a Christian wants to have that never go out of season, uh, that you can always do. But maybe this time of year, there are things during the Lenten season that you want to do. I've, I've gone to a couple churches now, and some of them, as part of Ash Wednesday, put ashes on their forehead. Some in the church did it, and some chose not to. Uh, some go to midweek services, and they have midweek services in their church. Others don't. Some people don't eat meat on Fridays. Others do. Uh, There can be uh, so many things. Giving something up for Lent. I've I've talked with some individuals who have done that and the question isn't what am I going to do or not to do is how is this going to lead me to see Jesus and what he's done for me? How will this lead me both to repentance and in an appreciation for what God has done? And as you consider that, and as we close today, I just want to share with you the vision of Crosswalk Church because this becomes a little bit of a litmus test for us with the customs and the habits that we encourage. Because Crosswalk Church is a community where all come to know the grace of God and strive to live new and to share the love of Jesus. And as you assess, the, the habits and the customs that you have, I hope you can use this as a built, bit of a filter. Does this help me see the grace of God? Does this help me to live out what God has in mind for me? And ultimately, does it help me to share this good news that Jesus has for us to proclaim? Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you uh, that you came to bring Sabbath rest. We thank you that we can just take a breath before God because we know our sins are forgiven because Jesus has paid for them. Now, as we go through our life, help us to make good decisions, uh, individual decisions, that, about our habits and customs that direct us to you and the peace we have with God through Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray, amen. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you